Amen. Good evening once again, everybody. Good to see you here tonight. I, I, it's kind of normal by now, but I think we just had a hoedown at church. How about that, right? And we can do that. We can do whatever we want on Saturday night. We can have a hoedown if we want. Just everybody say yeehaw. There we go. All right. It's going to be that kind of night. You're going to need to get out of your comfort zone. I'm just telling you right now, if you came here to be really serious and keep to yourself, this may be a great time to slip out. But don't. We encourage you to stick around. Now that you're here, we would encourage you uh, to stay. Word's getting out about uh, the cookies and the goodies back here. So you should come for the cookies and stay for Jesus. How about that? Does that sound good? So we're really glad that you are here tonight, and again, want to extend a special welcome to those of you that are visiting. If you're new uh, with us tonight, we are so glad that you're here. Our Saturday night service always has a little bit different flavor uh, than Sunday morning. Uh, usually, people are awake, and that's helpful. Uh, not that they're not on Sunday mornings, but uh, it's a little easier. Hopefully, by this time of the day, you're, you're alive and kicking. So, um, you know, several years ago when we started this campus, when we started Hope Des Moines, I had this vision that... Sundays, that Saturdays and Sundays, that weekend services would almost be like the icing on the cake from an entire week lived in service to God. I had this vision that weekend services would almost be like a family reunion, almost like a celebration where we would all come together and we would celebrate what God had been doing through all of us during the week. And that was just like, it was like a dream. It was like a, a vision. And, and so much so that, that you would come here and that you would not think of missing services on the weekend because you couldn't wait to hear about what God had done. And that somehow, if we had time, we'd go around and I'd have every single one of you share how God has worked in you and through you this week. I think that's maybe a little closer to Jesus' heart, to what he had in mind for the church. And so if you're new tonight, I know we've got a lot of new faces, and as we continue to grow as a church, you may not be aware of everything that goes on all throughout the week, especially if you're just here on the weekend. So I wanted to give you just a little snapshot, just some highlights of what's gone on this past week. So this past Sunday, we had a new member class up here and had a whole bunch of new members join the church and put their roots down for the first time. Skip ahead to Tuesday, and we had our big leadership gathering of all our leaders that lead our various teams here at Hope Des Moines. And we did kind of a little activity where we started dreaming about what does Hope Des Moines look like three years from now? And then we said, what does Hope Des Moines look like 10 years from now? And it was really fun, and it was really exciting, and we laughed a lot. You can laugh in church. Did you know that? It's allowed. Absolutely. Skip ahead another day uh, to Wednesday. We had 35 people in our new class that we started called Finding Your Way Back to God, and even more in our men's and women's step, step studies that our people are going through this year-long process of finding recovery from whatever hurts, habits, and hang-ups are going on in their lives. Oh, we're just halfway through the week. On Thursday, I'm getting done with my day of work here uh, at the building, and then as I'm leaving, uh, the decibel level always goes up in here on Thursdays because WizKids takes place. So we've got about 35, 40 elementary kids from the neighborhood here, from uh, just lower-income families that are struggling or going through difficult times, and they're here, and uh, they're, they're singing VBS songs and, and rocking the room upstairs. And then as I'm leaving, I'm seeing people just like you sitting down with them and doing homework with them. 
and tutoring them and mentoring them and counseling them. Then if that wasn't enough, I leave here and I drive a few blocks over the bridge in MLK and go down to Central Iowa Shelter where there's dozens and dozens more Hope Des Moines people that are serving a meal to over 250 guests. Yes, over 250 guests down at Central Iowa Shelter and having a party with live music as a part of our dinner. You get dinner music when Hope Des Moines comes down. So that was Thursday, uh, and it just continued on. And then to top it all off, at the end of last week, you know, we've been talking about our Hope for the Children Lenten project that we've been doing at all the campuses. And so we're working with Freedom for Youth, and we're doing some improvements here to our facility, making it more uh, child-friendly and child-safe. And so we came out, our campus raised over $10,500. And that's what we told you last week. And I was like, that's amazing. I mean, people clapped, and they were blown away. And then I got an email towards the end of the week, and oh, a a little bit more came in, and now we have $21,000 all of a sudden that was given. So we doubled it in a week, so praise God for that. Um, so half of that goes right out back the doors, out the doors. Freedom for Youth is going to be tearing down a bar and building a children's center to do the same, same thing and tell kids about the love of Jesus and help them with their homework and all that kind of stuff, and the rest will kind of stay here to help us widen the doors for all the programs that we do for kids here. And that's just the highlights, folks. That's just the highlights. So needless to say, God is on the move. Amen? Amen. So it's good to be the church, and I'm so thankful for you as a church. I had a lot to be proud of this past week, and so do you. So consider what I have to share with you tonight simply encouragement or a challenge to keep on doing what you're doing, to continue to be who you are, whether Hope Des Moines is your home or not, your family when you're with us here tonight. We've been talking really a lot about what it means to be the church. Last week we started a brand new sermon series called Starting Fresh with Church at all of our campuses. And we talked about last week about this idea that every single one of us Regardless of how we are raised or our family situation, regardless of the circumstances of our lives, whether we've had a good or bad, a positive or negative experience with church, that frames how we view church today. Every single one of us comes with like preconceived ideas. Oh, I know the church thing is like this. The Jesus thing is like this. And we talked about how it's so important to get back to our roots Instead of saying, well, I'm going to define what church is, maybe we should let Jesus define what church is. Maybe we should go back to our roots, and we did that, and we went back to the Gospels. We went back to the book of Acts, and we find out that really the heartbeat of the church is followers of Jesus that are learning to live a kingdom-centered life, that we are learning to live as if Jesus' reign and rule was extending in every area of our life, not just on Saturday nights or Sunday mornings for services, but in every aspect of our lives. We're discovering our roots. So if we're going to discover how to have a fresh start with the church, if we're going to be a church after Jesus' own heart, we should probably learn what was important to Jesus. And I am going to take maybe one of the biggest detours in a sermon that I've ever taken, and I'm going to tell you something right now that's going to maybe make you sit up a little bit straighter uh, in your chair. We're going to learn how to be a church after Jesus' own heart by learning about something that Jesus loved, I think, more than anything else, and that was partying. Yes, you heard me right, partying. Yes, absolutely, that's what we're going to talk about. I wonder, think for a second, what is the best party you have ever been to? Just think about that right now. Just what's the best party you've ever been to? Some of you are thinking, uh, John, you probably don't want to know. I shouldn't say that in church, right? Right? 
Uh, maybe it was a wedding. Maybe it was the birth of a child. Maybe it was a birthday party. Maybe it was an anniversary celebration or a graduation party or whatever it was. So this week I was digging into the Gospel of Luke as we're kind of working through some of the Gospel readings here. And I read that, remember that Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding party, celebration. That's what people do after they get married. I read that when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, they went and they had a party with sinners. I read that every time that the religious people got mad at Jesus, it's because he was partying. He was hanging out with the people that society had kind of cast aside. Many of his parables were about parties and dinner parties and dinner engagements, as is our reading for tonight. This wasn't just a one-off thing. Jesus talked about partying, and he did it all the time. And in our parable tonight in Luke 14, Jesus says, if you want to know what it's like to be a church after my own heart, to live in the kingdom, you got to learn how to go to a really good party. How to learn how to do that because the kingdom of God is a party. The kingdom of God is like a great banquet. And who is it for? It's for you. The invitation could not be more clear tonight. I want you to hear that loud and clear. You are invited into the kingdom of God, regardless of where you've been or what you've done, or if you've been to church every week your entire life, or if this is your first time in a long time. You are invited into God's kingdom. One of the things that we like to say around hope is that there ain't no party like a Jesus party, because a Jesus party don't stop, right? You can go on with that, right? There really isn't. So what can we learn as a church from Jesus's partying? Way more than you think. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke 14. That's where we're going to be tonight and what we, uh, Andrea read for us tonight. So Jesus loves to party. When we arrive on the scene, Jesus is at this great party. He's at this great banquet with a bunch of religious folks. And it turns out they are a bit of a holy huddle. You guys ever experienced that before? Experienced a group of Christians that is just obsessed with themselves? And they think that they're comfort and their security and whatever they want is the most important thing. Now, instead of pointing fingers, Jesus, Jesus never really pointed fingers, never really judged anyone and said, Jesus just told better stories. Jesus told a better story than the stories that people were living. And so, consequently, there's nobody from the outside at this part, party. And so Jesus, <laughs> Jesus starts telling a parable or a story about a banquet, at a banquet. Do you think that's going to get their attention a little bit? Like, he just confronts it head on. And he says uh, that the kingdom of God is like a big banquet and a feast and a party, and the master invites guests to it. And when we have these parties, it shouldn't look like this party, Jesus said, that we're having. So instead of rebuking them, uh, he, he actually starts rebuking them, and he says that this guest list is not what it should be. Jesus says, my kind of parties are the ones where everyone's invited. And the people that are the outcasts and sort of the scum of the earth, you know, the sinners, the really bad people, I mean, not people like us, but the really bad people, they're actually the guests of honor. They should get the best seats. The first thing we know about how to be a church after Jesus' own heart is that everybody is welcome. Everybody say, everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. Oh, say it like you mean it. Everyone's welcome. All right, come on, people. Here we go. So to that crowd, get, just think about that. To that crowd, to that holy huddle, in that setting, Jesus offers this scandalous challenge. And he says this in verse 13. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be 
blessed. If you have ever wondered if church can be a safe place for you, and if you're really welcome here, this verse should be really good news for every single one of us, whether you realize it or not. In fact, when I say something here, I'm going to walk through some statements, and when you hear something that describes you, just yell out, that's me, and I'll give you a little hint. Everyone is going to apply to every single one of you, so you should just respond every time, okay? So let's practice, one, two, three, that's me, all right? One, two, three. All right, that's me. That's right. Okay, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're not poor, but you ever walked into worship on a weekend just feeling empty and you're looking for answers? You may not be crippled, but you ever walked into worship feeling like there are weaknesses or there's limitations in your life that are maybe holding you back? Maybe you're not blind physically, but have you ever come with that feeling that you just don't know where to go next? You don't know what to do, what next step to take in your life to get to where you want to go? That's me. Then you're exactly who Jesus is inviting. If that's you, that's exactly who Jesus wants around the table. The reason that Jesus is so confrontational with this elite dinner group is because they're sitting around enjoying their holy huddle when there's people that have no opportunity to know what a great party is like out there, and nobody's ever invited them in. Jesus is saying, you've forgotten that the point of faith isn't to boast that you're already at the party. It's to remember the God that invited you. It's to remember that God's heart longs for people that are on the outside. Yes, he's glad you're here. But once you're here, your heart turns outward back to the people that aren't here yet. Don't forget God's heart behind the party. God is a father. God is a parent. And I think that's why he loves to throw great parties. I learned this in a brand new way a few weeks back. It was birthday week in the Annenson house, and we love to throw parties. Excuse me. My wife loves to throw parties, and I do what I am told in that sense. No, I love it too. So birthdays are a really big deal in our house. They are a really big deal. Almost like everything, it felt like everything shut down for the week so that we could prepare for this party. And that was certainly the case for our son Caleb turning three. And that's zero, one, two, three, as he says. So he's turning three. It's a big deal, okay? So he knows his birthday is coming up, but he has no idea just like the the massiveness of this party. So all week, As his parents, Tiffany and I, are working behind the scenes and cleaning and doing all this stuff, I think we rearranged the entire house. Uh, We were cooking. We were cleaning. Tiffany was cooking and cleaning, and we had uh, construction-themed parties because he loves dump trucks, okay? So we have uh, trucks, and they are filled with dirt, like Oreo dirt, right? And then we put worms in there, so it's the whole bit, you know, just the coolest thing uh, ever. And so we had hard hats for everyone. By the way, my wife rocks. I married up uh, on this. So especially the day of, we're preparing for this, and Caleb is just watching us like this. 
like go back and forth as we're cleaning and organizing and trying to make room for more people than we've ever had in our house at one time. And we're just going to throw a kicking party. You don't come to the pastor's house and not have a kicking good time at the party. So all of a sudden, as if that wasn't enough, we're all ready. And then all of his favorite people start flooding in the doors. Like everybody that he always asks to go see, everybody that he asks to play, all his favorite people are coming to the house. And he is just so overwhelmed. And he is literally running back and forth across the living room doing sprints because he's so excited. He just has so much energy. And this is, has to be the closest he's ever been to heaven in his three years. I mean, this is it for him, all right? So we're doing gifts, and when we do the gifts, after every gift, he runs to that person and gives him a hug and then comes back. And then to cap it all off, as if that wasn't enough, it's music time. If you don't know our son Caleb, he loves to worship. And we did not tell him to love worship. We did not brainwash him with this because he's a PK or anything like that. He just loves worship. And almost after every service, he's up here on the stage pretending to be Jed, our worship leader, which is basically a celebrity because he's a rock star. So he wants to be Jed when he grows up. And so he loves worship. And so what he does at home is he'll grab a toy guitar or a drum and he'll play by himself and he'll play some of the worship songs that we do uh, up here. We do a song called Let It Be Known that some of you are familiar with. And he loves playing that normally by himself or with one of us. Well, we get out every toy instrument that we have and pass them out to the entire group. And so there's like 30 people with toy instruments. You've ever seen the Jimmy Fallon show do this with toy instruments? That's what we did to let it be known in a couple other worship songs. And we start playing it on the TV and everybody starts playing and singing it. And the look on his face was just like, shock and awe and pure amazement and just awesomeness. Like he just kind of went, oh, like that. It was just the greatest moment of his life. And I just watched him. Like I could not take my eyes off of him. He was so excited to be there in this moment. And I, I almost started to cry in that moment because I know how much he loves it. And I'm trying to imagine his heart just exploding inside of him with joy because his favorite 30 people in the world are doing what he loves. Like, this is a glimpse of heaven, people. Like, for a three-year-old, this is it. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, if only I knew what was in his head, that maybe, just maybe, there was a part of him that was thinking, oh, mommy and daddy did this all for me. And I want him to think that, not because we want to spoil him, because I want him to know how much we love him that we did this party for him. He is the guest of honor. And I would do it all over again for that look on his face. Never forget why we do what we do. We throw a party every Saturday here at 5 o'clock and every Sunday morning at 9.15 and 11 so that maybe you can have one of those moments too that maybe you could have one of those moments, whether it's here at worship, where you just, God just connects with you in a powerful way, and you feel so close to him. Whether it's here, or at small group, or when you're serving, that's why we do what we do. And that everything we did was totally worth it so that he could have that moment. And as his parents, it brought us such joy to be the hosts of that party, and the same is true with your Father in heaven. God says, I have done more than that. <laughs> I came to this earth and gave my life on that cross, defeating your sin and death, and rose again so that you could experience that moment. 
where you realize that there is nothing more important than you're doing right now. That maybe one time in your life, you could experience a moment where you know that you know that you know that you are loved. More than you could ever fathom. And as a parent, start to feel maybe just a glimpse of the way that God feels about us. And I've seen that look in a lot of your eyes. I've seen that look here on the weekends, and I'm just wondering, why would you ever want to miss that? Why would you ever want to miss that? That's why we do what we do. We had a key leader here in the early days when we used to set up and tear down at Hubble Elementary School, and we'd gather and we'd pray before we set up, and he would always say, when we'd pray, say, he would say, Father, we know that you've been up all night preparing for us. And I love that because it's true. Like he never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's God. And he was here all day preparing this party so that you could be here tonight. And every Sunday morning, he's here preparing. And that has a new meaning to me now as a father myself. God says, don't forget the reason for the banquet, for the party. God longs for you to be here. And that's the heart of the master in this parable. Going back to the story, back to verse 23, in fact. Let's read this together up on the screen. So then the master told his servant, let's read this together, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. The second thing we learn about Jesus' parting is that not only are all welcome, but God's heart is for you to be here. He's done all of this for you so that you could experience Christian community every week and worship together and experience him in a powerful way. And yet, the parable continues as we learn our third key truth. Not everybody accepts the invitation. We get all excited and we can throw a great big party and God knows this better than anybody. Not everybody accepts the invitation. The story continues, and what happens is that all of those important people that, who RSVP'd start to make excuses to the party of the century, nonetheless. So Jesus, in his witty, sassy humor, comes up with, I think, some of the lamest excuses in the book as examples. So I just, these are so hilarious. So look at verse 18. The first said, I think that's the first time some of you have ever laughed during the scripture reading, because it's just so, like, listen to this. Like, I can't come to the the party of the century because I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Like, is the field going to get up and walk away? By the, you know, by the time you get back to it, all right? I don't know what's going on there. Verse 19, another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. You're passing up a free party, the party of the century, to go hang out with livestock. Lame, okay? Verse 20, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. <laughs> Jesus pulled out the lamest excuse in the book for the end, right? What do people do after they get married? They go to parties, Right? They dance. You're being invited to a free, the party of the century. I can't come because I just got married. Bring your spouse, right? And of course, we laugh and we giggle and we shake our heads and we say, oh, I can't believe those excuses. What are yours? Because I've got them and you've got them. And I'm not just talking about whether you come to church on the weekends. I'm talking about going all in with Jesus. I'm talking about following him every single day. And bending every area of your life around him. What are your excuses? Don't get me wrong. This isn't about, Jesus is not telling us this parable to guilt us or to shame us. 
or to feel any of that way. It's more about he's listing these examples that pale in comparison to the opportunity to worship the God of the universe and follow him every day. This has nothing, and that, that has nothing to do with I'm going to come because of who's preaching or because of who's leading worship or any of that. I think we should put on our website, guess what? Guess what? April 9th and 10th, God's going to be at Hope Des Moines. <laughs> Big name, biggest name out there, biggest speaker there is, right? Coolest pastor ever. He's the one speaking to you tonight. And guess what? He's here every single weekend, just like he is at every single other church. His spirit is here. And so that, if that's not reason enough to come, nothing is going to be reason enough to come. So what's your excuse? Maybe like the man who was busy buying land, maybe your thing, your hurdle, is busyness. And you say, oh, you know, when things slow down. When are things going to slow down for you? Tell me that. Maybe it's like the man who got married. I was thinking about this. Maybe for you it's not just you got married. Maybe you did. Congratulations. But how about your season of life? I hear that all the time. Oh, it's just not a good season for us right now. When is going to be a good season of life to go all in? Or maybe, you know, it's complacency. <laughs> maybe it's saying just, I'm, I'm really sure that, I'm pretty sure I've experienced everything I can experience. You know, like, this is Christianity. This is what it is. Pretty boring, pretty normal. It's pretty much all God's got. I'm good. I was thinking this week about that image of Mary and Martha. You know the story well. Martha's running around like crazy, and Mary's sitting there at Jesus' feet. And that line that Jesus said just was ringing in my head. Luke 10, 41. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many things but few things are needed. Indeed, only, say it with me, one. What if Jesus, like, was in your living room and sat you down on the couch and said, you are worried and upset about so many things. I am not going to plow my way into your life. I'm not going to beg to be number one. I know that I am the most important thing in your life, and I am waiting for you to make that a priority. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. One thing that matters. When I looked at Caleb in that moment in the party when we were all singing the song and his eyes got really big, in that moment, that was the one thing for him. Like, nothing else mattered. And I pray that we don't just get moments, but that we have a life of nothing is more important than my relationship with God. I'm not going to trade that for anything. Jesus says, don't miss the party. Don't make lame excuses and end up in a parable someday. Don't miss the party. And so what's interesting about the parable that Jesus tells is we don't know the end. All we know is that the people who were supposed to come didn't come. And so the master says, well, go out and get everybody else. And that's how it ends. We don't really know what happened. And so after the excuses, after all the the rejections, some people do come and they have this party. And I just imagine like if the parable continued, like it'd be this great party and all the people that never get invited to parties get to go to this great banquet hall. And I just imagine that they are having the time of their life. I mean, they have that look that Caleb had, like this is the best ever. And what is a key part of a party? What do you have to have at a party just to make it kicking? Dancing, right? A party is not a party without dancing. When you get invited to a banquet, you don't just stay in your seat. 
you get out among the people, right? Now, if you're an introvert like me, you stay in your chair the whole night. However, for the sake of the message tonight, that would be the worst thing that you could do at a party. You go there to go to where the people are. I got a reminder of that several years back. My wife and I got to go uh, to a wedding uh, that I was officiating in Florida. And before you uh, start moaning and groaning and think how amazing that was for us, the high was 55 every day while we were there in Florida. So that was kind of a bummer. And so we were out on the beach doing the wedding, and then the reception was in this big tent and this big tarp, like 30 feet from the ocean. So it was really cool, but really cold, and they had space heaters in there and everything. Well, needless to say, this was one of the, the best <laughs> wedding receptions we've ever been to, and because we had the food and everything, and it was great, but then they just cleared everything out, and it was this massive dance party on the sand. And the thing that made it the best dance party ever was the DJ. He was DJ... Chris. And he knows how to rock a party. So he made it his personal goal. You know, you go to wedding receptions sometimes and it's all the young people or the young at heart people that are out there. And then all the adults are sitting back going, oh, I remember when I had energy, you know, that whole thing. And so they're over there and all the young kids and it lasts about a half an hour and we do some gangster music and then we go home. That's a normal wedding dance. Not this one. DJ Chris made it his goal to get every single person at that wedding reception out on the dance floor, which was about not that big, like 10 by 10. So there's like 50 people there. And so this is tight and they're all packed in. And he's going around with a microphone, not behind the tech booth, but with a microphone, calling people out like Grandma Betty and Uncle George and Cousin Phil, like getting everybody out here around the bride and groom. And we were just dancing and dancing and we're out there. And, you know, my shirt came untucked a long time ago and we were just having a blast. And then out of nowhere, he pops out of the middle of the dance floor where everybody is, and there's one guy not dancing. Crazy Uncle Bob. So Uncle Bob's over there. I don't know what his real name is, but I changed it to protect the innocent. So Uncle Bob is over there, and he is this, I don't know, he's an older guy, and he's got his arms crossed with his tie like this, and it basically saying, over my dead body. I am not getting up. You are not going to get me out there. And in that moment, Chris pops out of the circle and goes, Uncle Bob, where are you at? And everybody just stops. And in the background is Gangnam Style. Boom, chicka, boom, chicka. You know, remember that song? So it's like this techno song, right? And Uncle Bob, I kid you not, I am not lying. Uncle Bob stands up and grabs his walker and starts making his way to the dance floor. And everybody is watching him. Boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom, chicka. Gangnam Style is going on. He's making his way out to the dance floor. And then I never thought I would see something like this in my life. He literally, this guy's like in his 80s, he literally takes his walker, throws it aside, literally throws it down, walks out onto the dance floor, and like Chris is speechless for the, you know, for the first time the whole night. And he, Bob, Bob, this old guy walks out on the dance floor, and Gangnam Style is going, and all of a sudden everybody's watching him, he goes like this, pulls up his pants, and starts doing Saturday Night Fever. He starts doing Saturday Night Live to Gangnam Style. Boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom, chicka. So then the, Chris runs back, changes the song to Stayin' Alive, and the entire dance does Stayin' Alive for the rest of the night. And it was a blast. And we're just going crazy. He's out there dancing. Looks something like that. He's dancing with ladies the whole bit. He comes up after the dance is done. He goes over to DJ Chris and goes, oh, shirt's untucked, just ties untucked. He says, Chris, I've never had so much fun in my life. And then he says this. I'm listening in on this. Like, I got to do a sermon illustration on this someday. And he goes, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. 
I wouldn't have missed it for the world. And you can't experience the joy of being out with the people if you stay in your seat. And the same is true for us as a church. Some of you are going to go your entire adult Christian lives coming to worship and staying in your seat. And let me say this. We're so glad you're here at the party. But when you go to the party, you got to be where the action is. you got to be where the joy is. And that's not in the comfort and safety and security of your seat. It's out where the people are, outside the walls of this building, on a team, in a small group, in a ministry, serving in whatever way that God has called you to do that. How do we get from there to Jesus? 2,000 years ago, God knew that in order to reach the people that he loves, he couldn't stay at a distance. He couldn't stay in his seat, in his throne in heaven. And he left his chair and he came to us and he invites us to the party of a lifetime, which is a relationship with him. You can't stay in your chair or you're going to miss the point. You've got to go to where the action is. And that has never been more true for us as a church than these next few months. I am so excited for us as a church. Just a few of the things that are coming up. I told you about in a few weeks, Hope for the Hungry. We're going to package meals right here. And we are throwing a party, a meal packaging party, not just for us, but for people that are all over the world that are hungry. Then towards the end of June, we're going to do an art show in this building simultaneous to the arts festival that's going on downtown. And, and hope artists from all the campuses are going to display their art here. Meanwhile, we are going to have a massive party of all parties in our parking lot. And we're going to have inflatables and we're going to have food and you can bring the whole family and we are going to invite the entire neighborhood and surrounding community to come and party with us so that they know that Christians at Hope Des Moines know how to party. And it is for everybody. And last but not least, you heard about Vacation Bible School. I'm going to let you in on a little secret if you haven't been around Hope for a while. It's not really for the kids. It's for you. So you can get your joy back. So you can learn how to have a party like kids. So you can learn how to have childlike faith again and stop taking yourself so seriously and learn to experience the joy that Jesus talks about in Scripture. Families build their vacation around Vacation Bible School. (laughs) So put it in your calendar now. We don't want you to miss it. There's never been a better time to get out of your seat, to get out of your comfort zone, and get to where the action is. At the same time that it's going to be a really exciting few months around here, it's going to be a really exciting next few months for me as well. If you've been around the last few weeks, you know that for the next couple months, I'm going to be taking a sabbatical which is just kind of a fancy church word for an extended time of rest. And I'm scared (laughs) because like a lot of you, I have a hard time slowing down. And it's hard to give up control sometimes. But rest is an act of trust. And that's why God says to do it once a week. Just stop everything and trust that the world doesn't revolve around you. It's an act of trust. It's finished. Even if it's not finished, it's finished, and we're called to rest. So I'm going to be taking a couple months to get filled up, to to recharge, to pray, to dream about the future, spending some time with my family, and most importantly, with my father as well, letting him remind me of who I am and why I do 
what I do. So this being the, the final Sunday, uh, the final weekend here before I take off, I almost was thinking about it this week, and I almost feel like I just love sports, and so I feel like tonight kind of like a coach that's giving like the final pep talk to his team or something like that. You know, we're in the huddle or we're in the locker room or something like that, and I don't know what to say, so I just thought of the best coach that I know, and that's Norman Dale, which is Gene Hackman from the greatest sports movie ever, by the way, Hoosiers. Uh, and we'll, I'll arm wrestle you over that one. So he gives this final speech to his team. The, one of the smallest high schools in Indiana history makes it to the state championship. This is based on a true story. And they're playing the defending state champion, big high school, huge high school, um, South Bend Central. And in this moment, they've spent this whole year in the ups and downs together. And he pours out his heart to them. And in these final moments... Maybe I just want to share a little bit of my heart through Coach Dale. Let's take a look. So I don't really care if it sounds corny or cheesy or not. I really do love you. You're a great church. And as we kind of stand in this huddle tonight and we get ready for the next few months, I want you to know how proud I am of you. And I want you to know how thankful I am, not just for the past few months, but for the past eight years. It's been the ride of a lifetime. And whether this is your first time here tonight and you're like, wow, does he really get this sappy all the time? No. Or whether you've been here since the very beginning, it has been quite the ride. And so as we kind of huddle up here tonight, as Coach Dale said, I know it's way past big speech time but I want to leave you with a couple encouragements, a couple challenges over these next few months. Even though I'm not up here, that shouldn't change one thing. Number one, worship every single week. You were created for it. It's good for your soul. It's good for your family. Don't miss the party that God is throwing every single week. Number two, don't stop inviting. I fully expect to come back and see hundreds of people that I have never seen before because you didn't stop inviting. Because you know, most, for most of you, the reason you're here tonight is because somebody invited you. Pass it on. Who's that person out there that needs to be invited? And last but not least, <laughs> get in the game. If you've been coming for a while, and you're like crazy Uncle Bob, and you're sitting over there, and I'm not calling you crazy, but you kind of are if you're missing the party. It's time to get out of your seat. It's time to break the huddle and go play the game and get out on the courts and get out on the dance floor to where the action is, to where the people are. Join a group. Join a team. Start serving. Activate your faith, and God will come alive in a brand new way, but you got to take that step of faith. It's time to be the church. It's time to go all in, to put your entire self in. And we could have ended the night and we can all cry a little bit together because John's leaving or we could do the one thing that we haven't done at this party yet and that's dance. <laughs>